Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from TeachingBooks.net. Teaching Books strives to personalize each reader's connections to children's and young adult books. Discover thousands of resources that bring books and reading to life. Sign up for free today at TeachingBooks.net. So, so you're making do. How are your kids? How are they managing? Uh, they are. Uh, they're having a ball. Uh, <laughs> they, I think just because they've ever since, well, really since last, not July just passed, but the July before, we had been traveling. Uh, we had been preparing for some time to take a year off to travel, and so it's just been the four of us in in a room. Uh, we were like that for seven months before the pandemic hit, and then we retreated back to Northern Ireland to be closer to family, because my, uh, my my dad got a cancer diagnosis the same week that lockdown started, so we thought we would be here. And really, uh, my kids have just been in such close proximity around the clock with us for the last year and a half that they've been loving it, and we actually have been loving it too. Um, even with all the frustrations that that brings, uh, it's it wouldn't have quite worked out like this. We, we wouldn't have got quite this much time with them had it not been for this. So, you know, every silver lining and all that. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 639. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner if you want to support the show. Today, I'm joined by Oliver Jeffers. Oliver's latest picture book is What We'll Build, and in many ways, it is a love letter to his daughter about our future together in relationship with one another and all that our collective knowledge and collective experience will do to help move us forward. Oliver notes in our conversation that all art is reactionary, and we spend time in this conversation noticing details that appear and reappeared in his art, what some of those details or characters mean, and what it means to take note of who or what's around you, whether or not you fully understand why. Please welcome my guest, Oliver Jeffers, author and illustrator of What Will Build. My full name is Oliver Jeffers. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Uh, I uh, was 
brought up in Belfast in Northern Ireland. I have been living in Brooklyn, New York for the last 15 years, although I find myself uh, post-pandemic back in Belfast in Northern Ireland to be closer with family. Uh, and I mostly make books. I make fine art and some sculpture and uh, involve myself with some uh, political commentary and social justice commentary and climate change commentary. But it's mostly storytelling and picture making that takes up the majority of my time. Well, I'm glad for who you are and what you do for our readers. I know that that my children know you by name because of the, the work you've done with Drew Daywalt with The Day the Crayons Quit. Um, I also am not ever shy about saying how Stuck is one of my favorite picture books of all time. Um, and oh, wow. also that you've got such a beautiful spread in Stuck where everything is stuck in the tree. And I always liken it to one of my favorite video games, which is Katamari Damacy. This game where you like roll around all of this junk around the world, uh, creating a larger and larger ball of things to be thrown up into the cosmos. So there that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never heard of that game, but uh, sounds like a lot of fun. I think once you'll once you Google images, you'll you'll realize how yeah. beautifully connected the two are. But uh, here we are. It's it's, I've, I've never been a big I've never been a big computer game person, but uh, people always ask me my influences, and I always try to cite them as best I remember. But two weeks ago, I was reading an article about Super Mario Brothers, yeah. and I suddenly realized that that's the only game that and uh, Mario Kart, the only games that I ever really played between the ages of ten and probably fifteen. And they clearly, now that I look back, have had uh, a big influence on me, just in terms of the tone and and uh, color palette. <laughs> and I'd never realized that two weeks ago. But you just see these ripples that just now, two weeks ago, you're starting to, to be able to name. That's neat. The neat when our childhood winks back at us like that. Yeah, it certainly is. So this beautiful book that brings us together today is called What Will Build, which is sort of a, a companion to Here We Are. Um, I'd love for you to share a little bit about what is this book? What inspired it? What brought it on? Yeah, well, I think the only reason it's a companion book, I, I suppose it's, it, they're linked in myriad ways, but they're, it's a very different sort of book. Uh, Here We Are is is nonfiction. It's it's completely factual. There's no real story. Um, what we'll build is also, I suppose, not really fiction, but no story. It's a, an, it's a poem, but they are linked because one is for each of my children. The first to come along was Here We Are, and that was the me processing the reaction that happens to all new parents when they first have a kid, which is the just the paradigm shift from not being a parent to being a parent is enormous. And nothing can prepare you for that until you're holding this little ball of life in your arms and there's no test and nobody's going to accompany you home from the hospital. And you try to make do as best you can. And, and w in our case, that was I treated my son like any guest when when they arrive at our home for the first time. I give him a tour, and he was two days old, and I thought there was something very, very comedic about this because he couldn't understand a word I was saying. But the comedy sort of passed to like a poignant drama when I realized actually he doesn't understand a word I say, and he knows absolutely nothing, and it's going to be up to me to teach him everything that he will know between me and his mother and, and the, the people that he's lucky enough to have, have been surrounded by. And so I started uh, writing down these, the, the very obvious things as I was explaining them um, with the intention of writing the, a letter to him that he would, uh, he would get when he was older. But as, as I was going, it occurred to me that a lot of these really obvious things people 
were forgetting because there just seemed to be a lot of anger and and fear around that time. It was you know it was 2015 and uh, there was there was a lot of xenophobia in the politics both in Europe where uh, all my family were and in the USA where where I was uh, and I, so it felt quite important to me to maybe share these thoughts with other people to remind them too. Uh, and so that's that's how Here We Are came about. Uh, and it was a book about explaining just the simplicity of, of what it means to be a human being alive and walking around on planet Earth in the 21st century. Um, but then what we'll build is for uh, our, our second child, uh, my son's sister. Uh, and it's very much about looking to the future. And it's very much about if here we are is about explaining the world as it is, what we'll build is about changing it in some degree. Um, my the, my daughter, it's the first time we've had a daughter, but not only that, it's the first time there's been a female Jeffers in four generations, which is, you know, <laughs> almost 100 years. And, and I got to thinking about just how, how different the world is today than it would have been to be raising a daughter 100 years ago. And just it, it's, it's I think it's easy to forget sometimes when. It, it feels like things are regressing from uh, the, the progress that, that humanity has made uh, when you're looking at the minutiae. But when you stand back and look at the big picture, it's, it's I think, important to remember just how far we have come. Uh, and so this was a book about the, the contemplating about raising a daughter and what will hopefully soon no longer be a man's world. But um, just it's it's really about any two people in a loving relationship talking and planning together for a shared future um, because everything is more fun when it's shared you know it's it's more fun to go out for dinner with somebody it's more fun to to tell a joke to somebody rather than just hearing a joke and keeping it for yourself all of this stuff is much more enjoyable and fulfilling whenever you get to do that with somebody else um, and yeah that's that's what the book is is really about when I was reading this with my daughter there were so many things that she pointed out that she delighted in looking for the pig in particular she delighted in mm. the entire book and as i was reading it i was reminded that that this book in that way to start with hands out in front of us saying what shall we build you and i um and looking at the tools that we gather to start you use those tools together there is space together throughout the entire book as if as if very much mm. on the page it is the future that we we can't exist one without the other we 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 will be together in whichever way and i think that 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 shared yeah. space does beautifully pair with the notion of here we are which is that this is the yeah. space you're stepping into but but then again that next step is how we will ripple out into the world together yeah and that shared experience but also there's a it's the there's a great John Steinbeck quote, which I'm probably going to completely ruin by trying to cite it off the top of my head right now. But it's like that man is unique. He's unlike any other creature in the universe because um, he can walk up. He can walk up the stairs of accomplishment and emerge ahead of his ideas. Um, and it's that idea of, of being able to imagine and being able to. Uh, think about what a future might look like and then take the steps necessary towards making that a reality. Yes. The um, the experience of, of building this book where you are looking into the future and what that might be and bringing in all sorts of wonderful fantasy elements and also some some moments that really are, are rooted deep in this is really us literally occupying space together. I love that you also saved a lot of room there, not just for the imagination, but also for 
emotion and knowing that, yes, even in the future, there will be moments that frustrate us and people that frustrate us. And, and, and knowing that as we build out our future, so is everyone else. And we all have to find a way to, to have these multiple futures together. Yeah. Yep. That's it. So the be kind with everyone for we all carry a great weight. But some, somebody once pointed out that, uh, everyone is playing the starring role in the film of their lives and you're just a, a, a supporting actor. And whenever you look at it that way, yes, everybody else has got their own battles going on and everything does revolve around them. And sometimes it's, it's important to remember that. Did you always have in mind that you, uh, maybe from first meeting your daughter, that you wanted to do a, another book like this to dedicate to her? <laughs> was that something that well, was like, oh, and now I feel like I, I have I, to do I, it. I, I did know that I would never hear the end of it if she didn't get oh, a book. <laughs> I, I don't think I meant it that way, but that's funny. <laughs> um, Dad, my brother has but a book. Was, Why don't I? <laughs> yeah, I didn't sit down and think, I'm going to make, I have to make a book for her. What is it going to be? Uh, and, and I'm glad it didn't go like that because I, I, I think that it, it might have been a much more forced thing then. Um, whereas... The way that it did come out, it was this was just the, the me alone with her when I was trying to rock her back to sleep at night, just sort of contemplating this this person in my arms who had just shown up and the the what the future was going to look like and almost the way that I was sort of sing songing to myself the the rhythm of that and the it, the first line of the poem emerged and I just sort of slowly extracted it so it did happen quite organically and and I was pleased about that because yes I. Uh, other people had said, is she going to get a book? And I knew that when she was old enough to articulate it, she would have also been asking. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from listeners like you. Learn how you can support the show and get exclusive podcast merch, including stickers, book totes, and more by visiting MatthewCWinner.com. I, um, there's two lines that come later in the story that I, I'm so moved by, um, thinking about that, that time you have with a child and how, um, when these little people enter our lives, they do become our our muse in some way. They they set us as as human beings off on a course that that we wouldn't have been had they not entered our life. But you you write these lines in your poem. We'll put these favorite things beside the earlier love we set aside. I think that we may want them later when times are hard and needs are greater. And in your illustration. Uh, first, my daughter pointed out that you grow facial hair <laughs> on those pages, but I also noticed yep. the fox literally stealing time away from you, and and that experience of childhood too. That perhaps the one wisdom we receive as parents always is spend as much time with them because the time goes so fast. Yeah, well, that there certainly I want to get back to that, but you're misreading that illustration, mm. and that's so the whole book is is about us imagining the future. But then in those two spreads where I do grow facial hair, it's imagining the far future, hence we've been hiding. Um, and that's that's what the facial hair grows. But the fox is not stealing time from us. The fox is actually leading us in the battle. And that is not a watch, but a compass. Ah, leading us into battle. Yes. Because there was a, quite a 
there was quite a poignant moment in the making of the book when when the the fox revealed itself to me what the 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 the, the true meaning of that character was because as i had i had written the poem there's no mention of a fox in it um but as i was sort of sketching out the art almost just to fill some empty space and, and those quite empty spreads or there needed to be some life because it shows you this cabin and we're inside the cabin so there's no actual life on the page. Um, I just had the, the notion of this fox that was sniffing around the, the wagon that we had parked at the door and then the fox is watching us from outside in the next spread and then leading us into battle. And if you notice that all the characters come back at that campfire and the fox is the only one that remains after everything else melts away. Um, and my daughter's name is Mary and she's named after my mother who died 20 years ago also called Mary and uh, at the time I was making those the fox pieces of art I realized that I was listening to all her old favorite music and then it hit me that she was the fox and that is why this fox picks up this compass because my mother has always been my moral compass to some degree and is sort of has always been silently there in a, in, a, in that strange kind of a way that you, the, the, the feeling of connectedness and being looked out for in, in, a, in a way that, that you can't quite see uh, and is the only, only character that still remains afterwards. Oliver, that's so sweet. And I do see when I, when I flip back the page with, with the father lighting the, the lamp, the, the daughter holds up that compass and it's pointing to true north. And to know... I'm going to now never, I'm going to never not see the fox, which is such a beautiful thing. And I, I wonder, because there's so many details, um, so many items and characters that come into this story that, that reappear. When you were planning this book, was that something that you knew from the start? Or is your bookmaking process maybe just in this book alone, or maybe in all a process of planting seeds that you see grow out in further pages? I don't think you know anything from the start. Mm. Uh, all art all art is reactionary. No piece of art is ever, no book, uh, no piece of uh, physical art, no, no anything has ever turned out exactly the way that I imagined it would at the start. Because what happens is that you, you start to bring it into existence and then you are no longer referencing your own imagination. You're actually referencing what's there what's right in front of you and you react to that and so that's why a piece will often morph as it as it develops and as it grows so if uh if i knew right at the very very beginning that all those characters were going to sort of emerge and and interact in the ways that they do i did not that was just purely from seeing them on the page and then thinking ahead and working backwards and, and starting to bring them back through well that process of of discovering and finding the things and reacting um, is beautiful, and I love, I love that between all of this, we have hands, hands reaching out empty, and closing mm. with hands together. Um, yeah, you've done. And it, uh, yeah. when the, the work was actually completed over a year ago, before we went on on this uh, uh, our attempt at a year of travel, which was started in the summer of 2019, we got to February and then had to call it a day but the the work was all made prior to that this book was fit, completed before then and of course as it came to time for publication i i was worried that it would just no longer be relevant because it was made in the old world about the old world and it's only when it started to come out and i started hearing some reactions that that people 
were asking about uh, uh, if I if I knew that the pandemic was coming because it was so <laughs> apt for it. And, and of course, it's like, yes, at the time of making it, the only two unknowns in that book are the, the idea of this future relationship with me and my daughter. But, but now every single person, every single person on the planet is facing an unknown future. Uh, and it's and how this this pandemic and uh, and how global lockdown has affected different people in different ways. We probably won't ever really fully understand for a long, long time. But you did mention that the that time that you get to spend with people deep into lockdown, I was I was particularly frustrated uh, that I wasn't getting time to work. I was away from my studio. I was just basically um, it was childcare. I, I wasn't getting any time to think for myself. <clears throat> and then a local ad came on the radio. Uh, in Northern Ireland saying for those with young children don't wish away because it will be gone before you know it and it really really hit me in a powerful way and sometimes you just you have to be in the right frame of mind to hear the right message at the right time and that was one for me and luckily it was it was on the earlier side of lockdown so I was able to mentally readjust and uh, think again from a different perspective how how these next few years are going to unfold. Yeah well Here's to those years unfolding with your family in front of you, your children in front of you, and all the ways uh, that not only you and your wife will imprint on them, but how they will inevitably imprint on you. Thank you for sharing your work with us, Oliver. My absolute pleasure. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, to close us out, I'd love to give you an opportunity to speak to some of your readers by asking that I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? I think the most important thing for people to do right now on multiple fronts is to think about we rather than just about me. Just remember that you're a part of a community, whether that's your local community or the global community, rather than just what's in it for you yourself. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. Want to help out the show? Become a patron at patreon.com slash matthewcwinner and your support and contributions will directly support and impact my work here. And always, writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed.
We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.